Good day and welcome back to the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Today we are going to be talking about fall maintenance of lawns, about how aphids become more common late in the season and what to do about them, whether or not we should be pruning trees and shrubs late in the season, and how to harvest and store potatoes. Lawns often struggle through the summer. We irrigate them and fertilize them, and they'll stay green, but due to our hot, dry weather and general use, they oftentimes develop brown patches from drought stress. And fall is a great time to start renovating the lawn, especially if it struggled through the summer. I'm often asked, what is the ideal fertilizer for lawns? My answer is, it's just, there's really not an ideal fertilizer. A lot depends on soil testing. The important things to test when you test your soil include the pH, salt level of the soil, and phosphorus potassium levels. Fertilizers contain a combination of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And testing the levels in your soil will dictate what kind of fertilizer you need to use. 70 or 80% of the time in Utah, we have plenty of phosphorus potassium already there, and so we can get away with a straight nitrogen fertilizer, something like 2000, which is sometimes sold as 20.500 or 2100, depending on the particular source. To determine these nutrient levels and other aspects of your soil, there are home test kits available but they're usually pretty inaccurate. It is better to have a lab test your soil, and that can be done relatively inexpensively. Utah State University has a testing lab at usual.usu.edu. I will put that hyperlink in the show notes. BYU also has a testing lab, and if you Google BYU Analytical Laboratory, it will come up. There are always a lot of questions on whether someone should spend $20 on a bag of fertilizer or $50 on a bag of fertilizer. And of the overall nutrients in the fertilizer, there isn't going to be a lot of difference, but the technology that goes into the more expensive bag often makes it more expensive. And so if you buy expensive fertilizer, you know, from the Scott's company or several others, a lot of times those are blended to have the the little granules are called prills and a lot of times they're homogenous and they're slow release. And they can have advantages in that they won't make your lawn grow super fast and that you're getting an even release of the nutrients in the actual fertilizer. But the $20 bag of fertilizer is usually just fine, especially during cool weather, as long as you don't overapply. Now, some other things with lawns include the sprinklers and mowing. With cooler weather, we should be ramping back our sprinklers. Smart clocks will often do this for us, but if you just have a regular sprinkler clock, set it to water less. With the high 80s and low 90s, you can usually drop one irrigation event a week, so you should be watering two times a week fairly deeply. And as the weather continues to cool, in the 70s, you can probably cut that back to once a week, to where we lose our irrigation water usually by mid-October. Now, as far as mowing, continue on mowing. You may need to mow a little more often because the lawn will be growing somewhat faster. We'll hit this again, but that last mowing of the year in late October or early November 
you should drop your mower deck down so that you mow at about a height of one inch to one and a half inches. This will keep the lawn from matting down, and this prevents snow mold, or at least helps prevent snow mold. Snow mold is a fungus or several fungi that thrive at temperatures right at freezing. And when you get snow on there and it forces the grass to lay over, these fungi thrive in low oxygen environments. And so if you cut your lawn short, it's less likely to lay over and you'll have fewer problems with snow mold later on. Another condition that you may notice later in the season is that, especially on certain plants like willows and plums and many others, is that aphid populations can really start to build up quickly. I do recommend if you get incredible amounts, maybe using a horticultural soap or a horticultural oil to control them. Harsher insecticides are just not necessary. But if you do control them, you'll potentially have fewer over winter and you'll have fewer problems the next year. Recently on the KSL Greenhouse Show, I took several calls on people wanting to know if they can prune trees and shrubs this fall. Now, due to the recent windstorm that we had, the historic windstorm up in Davis County, Weber County, areas of Salt Lake, and areas of Cache County, yes, prune away to clean up. But if you're just trying to do a general fall cleanup, the fall or months that end in R, so September, October, November, December, is the worst time of the year to prune trees and shrubs. What will happen, especially pruning through September and October, is that pruning wounds stimulate growth. This new growth doesn't have time to harden off and it delays dormancy in the plant, especially around the pruning cuts. Because dormancy is delayed and there's all this new growth, oftentimes winter damage occurs because we will get cold before the plant's ready to go to bed for the winter. And so if you have a lot of pruning to do, the best time the best time to start that is in mid-January. January is a great time to prune shade trees like maples and oaks locally, and if you absolutely have to, you can start pruning your fruit trees, especially apples and pears. It's better to wait on those if you can, but by mid-January it's okay to do. You want to time this with weather so that during the night temperatures stay above 10 to 15 degrees for a week to 10 days straight. Now this is another one that will be that will be covered later, but shrubs can be a little bit tricky to prune depending on when they flower. If it's a shrub for hedging, just go ahead and do it starting sometime in mid-March. But if it's a spring flowering shrub like lilac, viburnum, snowball bush, and many others, you prune right after they're done flowering. For summer blooming bushes like Rose of Sharon and Butterfly Bush, you just go ahead and prune these in mid-March. There are a few exceptions for fall pruning. This actually goes for almost any time of the year. 
But if you have a tree or a shrub that has diseased branches, you oftentimes want to prune those out as soon as you see them. Another exception would be if they're dead. Pruning dead wood out of trees and shrubs doesn't harm them. The third exception is if they are a safety hazard. If they're blocking the road so you can't see when you drive out of your driveway, or if it hinders others from seeing, if somebody can't easily walk past the tree or shrub, or just any other general safety reasons like a branch might fall on a house is a great reason to get those pruned out. Potatoes are a relatively common garden crop in Utah. There are some things that can go wrong with them, but they are generally easy to grow. We've started to get a few questions on how to harvest them and store them to keep them fresh the winter. For fall harvest, what you want to do is let the tops of the potatoes turn yellow and brown. Once they have done this, you can mow them off with your string trimmer or cut them off and send the tops of the potatoes to green waste or compost them. After this, you can use a digging fork out to the sides and be liberal on how far out to the side you go so you don't spear any potatoes. But go in with a digging fork and gently lift the soil to take the potatoes out of the ground. Most of the potatoes will be directly under the plant, but they can sometimes be more off to the side. Once the potatoes are lifted, carefully brush the excess soil away from the potatoes doing as little injury to the skin as you can. Let the potatoes sit in a single layer at 55 to 60 degrees in a cool room for about two weeks. This will cure them and toughen the skin up. After this, they can be stored at around 45 to 50 degrees and will last for several weeks to months depending on the variety. Do not store potatoes with apples and pears because the ethylene produced by apples and pears will make them start to sprout prematurely and go rotten faster. And finally, I wanted to address a disease called powdery mildew. Many, many landscape plants and garden plants and even weeds get powdery mildew. The disease is a fungus that lives on the outside of the leaves and then puts a structure called a hostoria into the leaf and it feeds off the juices inside of the leaf. It really starts to show up in the fall when temperatures start to cool. People get frustrated because it gets on their squash and their pumpkins and some other garden plants, but it's mainly in the cucurbits and want to know what to do about it. Mid-September is not the time to be controlling it because it's oftentimes just out of control. However, if you start to see it show up in mid-August, and especially if you haven't had sufficient fruit from your plants, it may be worth using something like triple action or neem oil or a fungicide registered for garden use to prevent the spread of powdery mildew. But the trick to this is getting to it when it is still young. Right now, it's probably just worth harvesting what you have and calling it a year. If it is on trees, especially like the red-leafed maples like Crimson King or Crimson Sentry, it's late enough in the year that I wouldn't worry about it, but I would keep an eye out for it in the spring. 
Now, in the landscape, shrubs and trees that get powdery mildew regularly should be monitored. Some things to do to try to keep powdery mildew away includes keeping sprinklers from hitting the foliage. This is one of the main ways that powdery mildew spreads. Also, if you're in an area of the yard that doesn't have a lot of air circulation, don't plant susceptible plants there. There are many fungicides registered for landscape plants if you need to use them through the spring. I like to avoid using them if I can, but if there's no way around it after trying other methods, and especially if the plant needs to be saved, go ahead and use the fungicide and see how you can do. Powdery mildew can be hard to eliminate, and if it is very advanced, using a fungicide is probably not going to work. Thank you for listening, and the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast is a production of Utah State University Extension. Thank you.